Good morning. I'd like to welcome each one this morning uh, as we prepare our hearts and our minds to serve God this morning. Let us join in prayer this morning. Dear Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come into your house to praise you and to worship you and to thank you for the many blessings that you have given to us this day and this hour and this minute. Pray that you'll anoint from on high as the singing, the praising, the, the message that you've sent to us. Pray that you'll anoint each word and each song. Bless each thing, each thing that is done, for we ask this in thy name. Amen. We want to welcome each one that if you're a visitor, that uh, like for you to fill out a card. And also want to thank you for giving and for making this church a, a home for all of us to come and worship. And on Wednesday, uh, January the 11th, uh, Brother Ray will be bringing the, me the uh, message. And also next Sunday, uh, also he, he will be bringing the message too. <laughs> We're thankful for uh, Brother Ray and his dedication to us and his servant that uh, no amount of money or praise could ever uh, give to him that would uh, give our gratification for him. And on uh, <clears throat> January the 22nd, there will be a memorial service for Larry Warsham and like for each one to come and be a part of this and to show how much gratitude that for Larry and what he had done for our church and his service. And on Monday, uh, January the 30th, we'll be serving at Grace Place again that uh, need plenty of Oreo cream cookies. And... <clears throat> In my little devotion on John 12, 32 and 33. But when I am lifted up from this earth, I will draw all men to me. He said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. So if you got your name of Jesus lifted up as we go through our day. And uh, I thought this was fitting for each one of us as Christians that we should lift up the name of Jesus each and every day. Thank you. Won't you stand with us as we begin worship, uh, worshiping this morning? Uh, I too want to add a thank you to But do you know that all the dark won't stop? <laughs> That's okay too. Uh, you should find your contribution listings in the in the foyer this morning. Uh, thank you so much for your contributions to the running of our church. I'd like to read a scripture from Romans 8, 14 and 16 that states, For all those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God, for His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So let's join together this morning in singing a hymn that we're very familiar with, A Child of God, and aren't we thankful we are?
Who can say, yes, I am? Yeah. There's no other thought that I could think that knowing that I'm a child of God 
and uh, how blessed I am. As we go to prayer this morning, there's many that have lost loved ones these past weeks, and only God can fill the, the void in this space that is left behind. God has seen us through a lot of difficulties and a lot of hardships. We don't know what uh, 2023 is going to hold, but I know who I'm holding on to, and that's Jesus' hand. And let's remember uh, the Welches. Uh, we like to thank uh, each one for the prayers for Amelia, and she's doing much better. Yeah, and uh, also uh, James, Pam, uh, Zanya, and Carrie, uh, each one that's on the prayer list, let us all keep them in mind as we go through our uh, daily devotions and prayers. Let us all join our hearts. Dear Father, we thank you that you have blessed us so much in so many ways. We're thankful for the love that you've given to us. We pray for each one that has lost loved ones that these past few weeks. Just pray that you will fill the void, fill the, with love that you, by us as family of, of your church and of your uh, congregation, pray that we will reach out and uh, extend our hand uh, to each one to build them up and to help them to go forward. We're thankful for this church and for the people that are in this Cypress Street and what they have done to bless our lives and to help us to uh, worship you this morning. Go with us throughout this day and through this next week. Lead God and direct in our life. Oh, we ask this in thy name. Amen. Before Brother Ray has come to uh, speak to us, we have a very special song this morning shared by Kathy.
faced the raging seas, the anchor holds. In spite of the storms, I've had visions and I've had dreams and I've even held them in my slip right through like they were only grains of sand the anchor holds though the ship is battered the anchor holds Sails are torn. I have fallen on my knees as I face the raging seas. The anchor holds in spite of the storm.
That was great. It's good to see each of you in the house of the Lord uh, today. And uh, I'm excited to be here. Glad to share um, uh, to my church family here today. Uh, the anchor of Jesus Christ does hold, does it not? And also, I'm glad I'm a child of God. Uh, if you look a little later on your, your bulletin or your sheet, you'll see that we'll have a special prayer uh, this morning. And Brother Carvin's going to come at the uh, end of the service and have a prayer of dedication for Zanya and Carrie as they enter a ministry. Um, there, this is their last Sunday with us. I think they leave the 13th, Friday the 13th. But they're in God's hands. There's no such thing as Friday the 13th to God. As they head to uh, Lexington, Kentucky area uh, to minister in a church there for about uh, six months or so. So we want to do that a little bit later. And then also Brother James is going to share some things uh, at the end of the service as well. So we got a lot going on. Today I begin a new series for a few weeks. I prayed... You know, God, I have so many ways to go, so many places that I can go. And I was just wondering, you know, where to go. And you can turn to the back of your outline there. Uh, a couple big words. I'm sorry. You can Google how to spell them if you want to. Uh, I've got all this education and never made less than a hundred in spelling my whole life. And I still can't spell that great. I'm a very big phonetic speller. Uh, but we'll, we'll have some words for you. But I, I thought I'd share um, uh, kind of on God's heart today. And uh, the title of this series, I called it Dare to Share. And, you know, as I was looking, I felt God leading me, at least, and hopefully us, to the importance of sharing the gospel. How many of you know sharing the gospel is important? It's important. But it's probably one of the most neglected things we do. And sometimes we feel uncomfortable. I used to feel very uncomfortable about it. And, and, and I have failed at it many, many times. But God has given me a, a lot of victory and some insight and things about that. So I want to share the next few weeks. Um, we'll, we'll take a little break in there. But over the next few weeks, I want to share a little bit about uh, daring to share. And I think it all starts today with having God's heart. If you'll notice your text there, taken from Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 38, many times when I share messages, I talk to you about, do you sense God's heart when you read the, the, the message? I was counseling uh, both yesterday when I drove to my camp to get my tractor, and last night when I came back, uh, praise the Lord, before the rain, just got it unloaded, um, and, and all that with a young minister. And I was talking about, you can know all the theology, you know the Word of God, you know, in details, and he's having to take exams on that as part of the credentialing process. Uh, but you've also got to get the big picture and sense the heart of God, and it comes together, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And I want you to kind of get that this morning as we uh, read, read this message. The text is from Matthew 9, 35. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news of the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, 
The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask Him to send more workers into the fields. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, when You were here in flesh, You asked us to pray to the Lord of the harvest that workers are few, and Lord, that workers are needed. Father, we think of the prophet that when You spoke to him, he said, Here I am, Lord, send me. And I pray that, Lord, today and through these next weeks, Your Holy Spirit would speak to us and draw us to maybe move to a little bit deeper level, a little bit higher level, to, Lord, to see the lost, and, more, Lord, maybe even to answer Your prayer. Lord, may our prayer be, Lord, send me. Send me. Father, I pray that You would speak to us, give the freedom to share. Lord, You have permission to speak to us and, and to touch our hearts, to encourage us and to challenge us. And all God's people said, I hope, amen. <laughs> you know, I was listening to I, 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 one of the groups I love, and actually the two of the guys went to Anderson University, won't hold that against them, but it's Sidewalk Prophets. I really uh, love a lot of their music. And one of their songs is uh, Keep Making Me, and I listened to it a couple times this morning. Alexa had a hard time finding it. She just went Sidewalk Prophets here and there, so I had to YouTube it. And, uh, and so I plugged it in the Apple CarPlay and turned the radio up and smoking over here I was listening to, uh, to Keep Making Me. Where in that song it says, uh, make me broken Lord. You know it talks about being broken and, and falling in love with the Lord and, and broken for others and what touches your heart touches my heart. So anyway, I'm kind of in the zone right now, so forgive me if I get a little excited about it. But, you know, when God begins to break our hearts with a thing that breaks His heart, when we begin to have more of a heart of God, you know, we, we see through things and it becomes real. So I better stick with the outline this morning because I want to preach on something else right now. What does it take to have a heart that's like God's. And the first thing I want to share with you is open your eyes to the desperation, that's a big word, desperation, of people's lives around you. Open your eyes to the desperation of people's lives around you. In 2021 a study was done and it says 31% of the people in the United States Never go to a church or synagogue. 31% never. Only 20%, and I think that's probably a little less now with the pandemic, attend service pretty much what they would say weekly, like three out of five Sundays. As I looked and did some research, we have two, over 200,000 people just in Washita Parish and in Lincoln Parish. It's hard to believe, 200,000 people. If you add surrounding parishes, we're way over a quarter of a million people in just 35 miles from this church. And in text verse 36, Jesus felt great pity for the crowds. Their problems were so great. Their needs, some physical. And if you, you don't have to look far to see people that are going through very tough times physically. You know, my heart goes out to the Welches. Seems like it's just, you know, spreading around and little Liam and, you know, all of that and, and many others. 
and we've had so much loss lately. But also financial and especially emotional and spiritual. But you know, as Jesus looked to them, He saw them lost, most of them lost. And, and it sort of makes sense there at that time as we've talked about it had been 400 years and they were very confused and struggling people. But notice they were like sheep without a shepherd. And who is Jesus? The Good Shepherd. Right? And boy what an illustration. That would preach another sermon and that's where I'm wanting to go so i got to get back to the outline here. I have a quote on your outline. Today many in all classes are helpless, hopeless, and lost. What I mean by that, sometimes we think only those in a certain area, the poor, need. In our area around our church, in Balcomville, and you know, in, in, in older areas of the city, we think they need. I'm here to tell you, I've been blessed to know some multi, multi-millionaires, and they have the same problems. Just as much insecurity, just as many, in fact, probably almost in some ways more of them are lost. And they hurt. And regardless of the class of people, there are needs everywhere. A few weeks ago I talked about a lady when I was speaking in Matthew 5 that had spent everything she had on doctors, the Word of God tells us. And she got worse. And then she heard about Jesus. When all else fails, she heard about Jesus. And she just reached in and grabbed the hem of His garment. And man, think about that. The power that flowed out of Him stopped Him from the garment. Now I want you to think about that. That's unbelievable. But He was so in tune. By faith she had and she was desperate. Another young pastor I was talking that's totally turned his life around and ministering. Shares how, you know, he was raised in the church and then got into the world and, you know, the drugs and things like that and, and then realized his life was kind of a mess and responsibility began to, to take a toll and he ran to God. But he didn't fully find God till he lost a child. And man, instead of, thank goodness, running away from God, he ran to God and he's found Him and there's fulfillment. And he knows where that child is and he knows now where he's going and here's what he wants to do. Take as many people with him as he can. Amen. What a change. We have a choice. But here's what happens. I wonder do you see the desperation of people around you? I challenge you to go to the finest store in West Monroe, Walmart. Walk around Walmart and put on spiritual eyes. Pray. Don't be judgmental. You know, if you start getting judgmental, go bless their heart. Okay. <laughs> but look at people. I want you to challenge you to do that sometimes. Maybe guys, if you're there and the wife's getting groceries, you do, or guys, if you're getting the groceries and the wife's, want, just look at people. And tell me if you, I, I don't know how you could go and look around and not see desperation. How they dress, how they act, how they yell at each other, how they do stuff. Or even if they walk by and they don't even make eye contact. Or they look down. I mean, open your eyes to see the desperation of people at the finest store in all of Monroe. The checkers. Well, now we don't even have checkers. Look at yourself in a mirror. Your desperation as you're trying to bleep the stuff or pull out the gun, you know, pop, pop, pop. You know, whatever you're doing, the desperation. Maybe it's my profession. 
you know, ministry and psychology, but everywhere I look I see needy people. But here's what I think Satan has a tool he puts our way, every one of us. He allows us to become desensitized to the needs of people. Do you agree with that? What, what do we do? We read in the paper there was a drive-by shooting. We read that another child, sometimes I get it on, on, on a feed on, on my phone that will come up or Fox News alert or something. And, and you know, terrible thing, a child is abused or something. And we see that so much. I remember there was a day in my life, and I think in my grandparents' life, if something like that happened and people knew where they were, they didn't need to worry about law enforcement. You know what I'm saying? I mean, people would go crazy. They could leave their trucks unlocked and have rifles up in the, I don't know if anybody ever believes this or not, but they used to have them in gun racks in the window showing out. Like, my gun's bigger than your gun. You know, something right there in the back. Nobody, nothing happened. And man, when crime took place, people took it seriously. We're desensitized to crime, aren't we? We're desensitized to the hurting that are, that's around us. Newspaper, TV, internet, all of this. And this morning, most of us drove by a lot of homes and a lot of needy folks. And there's needs everywhere. You know, a good picture of kind of how we become is the story of the Good Samaritan. I have that uh, scripture there in your outline in Luke 10, 31, 33. How did the church do in this? Well, let's see how the pastor and the associate pastor did. We'll just talk about me and, and the associate pastor here this morning. Or maybe uh, the head elder or whatever. Okay? By chance a Jewish priest came along. This man had been beaten, robbed, was in terrible shape. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed over to the other side of the road and passed him by. And the reason is, he was going to a church meeting and it was real important. Okay? Secondly, a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there. But he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt deep pity. I want to stop there. Who do you want to be in this story? I sure don't want to be the pastor. I sure don't want to be the associate pastor or the elder. I'd love to be the Samaritan. I want to have the heart that's the heart of God. That's what I'm talking about to the need. What would Jesus do in that circumstance? By the way, he's telling the story. I think you can figure that out. I have on your outline, the opposite of love is not always hate. Sometimes it's apathy. We cannot be apathetic and not care. We, are, we have received amazing love, amazing forgiveness, and we need to give that love and give forgiveness. You know, you, you give what you receive. We pass it. We're a conduit from God to the world, and that's what we're, we're doing. I was reading a little bit recently about the rescue of Jessica Lynch, who's the first, her and, and one other young lady, Johnson, were the first females ever captured, female soldiers ever captured in U.S. history over in Iraq. And you remember they put her in a hospital and all that. And the only way they got her was there was a, a nurse that worked there that found out about her, told her husband. Her husband was an attorney, a young attorney from Iraq. And he, he went up there and saw the captives beating her or whatever, and it moved his heart. So he walked like six miles to a Marine checkpoint and told them about it, 
Then he went back and kind of charted out the hospital and then told them about it. And then you know special forces went in and, and, and saved her and the Marines saved the other lady who was at it and six others. But it was another thing. And when he was asked why, you know, why he did that, and in fact I think he wrote a book about it. In other words, he talked about his heart breaking to see any human being treated that way. And, you know, and I think that we need to have pity and desperation for those that are lost and are struggling and hurt. And it means to be not just like, oh, I see it, it's terrible, but we got to do something about it. Amen? And the first thing is just open our eyes. Secondly, after we open our eyes, let God move us from condemnation to compassion. This is a little tougher. And I know y'all's heart, you are one of the most loving groups. I told a lady recently that you guys are more loving than you even look. And you look loving. <laughs> now I didn't say lovely. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Loving. You know I got four of you to smile that's never smiled. That's good. Okay, I, I'll have to remember that one. All right. Let God move us from condemnation to compassion. This is difficult. Many times we see what goes on in people's lives and we get mad about it. What they do to themselves, what they do to others around them. We look at their behavior and we're so fixed on this, we can't look at the person's desperation or their heart or whatever. We're, we, we sometimes need to ask God to help us to look beyond the behavior. Like for instance, the cockiest kid in school is very, or person at work, you know, you have them at work, cocky, cocky. They are usually very, very insecure. It's neat when you can see through all that and see who they are. They're cutting other people down to what? Build themselves up. It doesn't work, but that's, that's sort of how it is. And, and, and sometimes we push away the people that really need us, does that mean? And need the Lord. And you know, you have that as a teacher of a preschool. You'll have a kid sometimes, Ooh, you know, and yet that's the one that needs you, you know. Don't mean the one that just comes up and loves you and is perfect, doesn't need love too. But sometimes we push away that one based on behavior. In our text, Jesus looked around the crowd. Let me ask you, if he looked around the crowd, did he see the depth of their sin? I want to ask you that. Absolutely. He saw the depth of their sin. He knew better than any of us. When he looks at me or anybody else, he sees it all. He saw it all. And, you know, he knew that many of them were major sinners. But when he looked at the crowd, Jesus saw them as lost, not bad. Do you get what I'm saying? He saw them as lost and not bad, like needing a shepherd. So we also ought to look at sinners, not as people to be avoided, but as lost people that need to be found. I challenge people that know the Lord and are strong in the Lord to always have some unsaved friends. Don't, have, don't make your best friends be unsaved. I mean, don't just run around them all the time. And, and I have weaknesses in my life. I'm a professional uh, speaker. I'm always in front of people. I do not want to watch a movie. I don't want to hear somebody cuss all the time. Because I sure as heck don't want to pick it up. You see what I'm saying? That's going to be something I, I need to avoid. 
But here's what I'm saying. We all need lost people that we connect with. Can I get an amen? Who did Jesus hang around with? The priest? The prophets? No, he picked a ragtag group. He added a pretty good one at the end, but he had a pretty ragtag group. I mean, even Luke wasn't one of the 12. I mean, he brought him in. I'm just telling you, he had a ragtag group. In fact, uh, Philip Yancey, I'll, I'll get off there. Philip Yancey in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace? What a neat title. What's So Amazing About Grace? Writes a lot of stories. And he tells of a friend who worked in inner city Chicago. And one day a woman came to him starving, needing shelter, and wanted to get her life back together. But she was so messed up. She was a confessed prostitute, had done horrible things with her two-year-old daughter. The inner city minister was shocked how bad this situation was and the behavior. He tried real hard not to react. She was so addicted to drugs, she was feeling overwhelmed with guilt. And he asked her, have you ever thought about going to church and asking for help? She snapped her head, got alert, and said, why would I do that? I already feel bad enough as it is. Why would I want to go around people who want to make me feel even more guilty? Now, you go, oh, no, I wouldn't do that. Well, I'm telling you, the church has a perception problem. Do you agree with that with the world out there? We all know how loving we are. We all know how accepting we would be. We, we, we know we're human and we struggle with things. We know that, but the world doesn't know that. How do they think about church? I'm telling you, most of the lost think we're pretty judgmental. Did you agree with that? They do. That's how the world is. And brothers and sisters, we need to face that we have that problem and make sure that our compassion for people is more important than our condemnation. By the way, when somebody feels condemned and they're convicted by the Holy Spirit, do you need to add on? I remember when Brooke would get in trouble, she'd not tell her all about it, and I'd walk away. And another thing, <laughs> none of y'all have done that. I know that. I know you haven't. Well, when somebody's condemned already, we don't need to add, oh, now look, you know, you're going over the major sins and go, well, you got a couple more over here, let's throw in there. No, we don't need to do that. When the Holy Spirit convicts, when somebody's feeling, when they're apologizing and struggling, let God work. Our job is to be, what would Jesus do? Can I ask a question? What would Jesus do? Woman in adultery, what would Jesus do? Here's a good illustration, next text. I want to stop just a minute. Let me make... <laughs> Let me make myself perfectly clear. No new taxes. <laughs> and they'll be voted on next week. Okay. Let me make myself perfectly clear. We are never to condone, aid, or abet further sin. The most controversial thing going on among churches right now is the homosexual issue. Churches are splitting over it, and they should split over the Word of God is clear. Here's what I'm saying. That's the controversial issue. We should never not follow the Word of God and say what is what. But our job is not to condemn people or to go out and tell them they're going to hell. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? That's very clear. We do not condone, aid, or abet sin, but we better have the heart of God for those who are lost. Not just the people who are lost who've never heard, but the people who are lost, period, for any reason. Here's where it gets tough. When their behavior is bad, or they say something to us, you know what I mean? And they get under our skin. Or they live with us, that's really tough. Woo, that's where it gets tough. Now, let's look at where Jesus hang around for. You know, we're supposed to love the sinner and their soul, not the sin. Look at this. That night, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to be his guests with the fellow IRS agents. And many other, I love this, I love it. And many other notorious sinners, not just, my name is Clint Centerwood. You know, I mean, this is bad people. Jesus is hanging with, the Pharisees were indignant. Why does your teacher eat with such scum? And by the way, they didn't correct them for saying scum. When he heard this, Jesus said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. For what did he come to do? For I came to call sinners, not those who think they're already good enough. And by the way, he didn't say not to call those who are already good enough. He said who think they're already good enough. Big difference. That's real clear that we are not, we need to move with the heart of God away from condemnation or compassion. Now, if, if anybody here is feeling a little sense that Brother Ray's liberal or he's getting kind of into let's just love everybody and that's all here, I want to tell you something. I promise you two Rays. Pastor Ray that loves people, has the heart of God, knows the Word of God, knows the heart of God, and loves people versus Pastor Ray, whose condemnation knows the Word of God and quotes it and adds to the condemnation, which one of the two will win more for the cause of Christ? I guarantee you, I've been both of them. I have had the privilege to baptize 26 at one time. Okay? And not, none of it came from this condemnation. It came from loving them, caring for them, letting God flow through me, get, just simply giving what He gave me to them. Okay? That's what I'm trying to tell you. And boy, more and more pastors are understanding that and aware of that. And I want us to understand that as well. Thirdly, make a moment to reflect on what Christ has done for you. Man, this is simple, but boy, is this powerful. Every now and then, we need to be reminded and not be too critical of those sinners because how many of you know at one time you were one of them? All of us. There's not one righteous, no, not one. How many knows not one means you and me? At one point we were, all of us in here, there's probably times many of us in this room turned to God out of desperation. So we don't need to be condemning other people. And then here's another thing Satan will tell us. Satan will kind of throw us, yeah, you were kind of bad, but you wasn't that bad. Like there's stages of bad. Satan loves stages of bad. True, there's consequences for behaviors that are different. But according to God, being separated from him is lost. You can be raised in church, go to church every Sunday, 
tithe, all these amazing things, and there will be blessings in your life. But if you never hear the Holy Spirit's call and accept Him as your personal Savior and get that relationship with Him where you talk to Him and know you, who you are in Him, you're lost. I didn't get an amen to that. But that's true. Ooh, that's true. Max Licato tells the story of Rob Evans. Man, this is an amazing story. Of course, Max Licato, unbelievable. He's blind all his life, and at age 51, he had a complicated eye surgery, and he was able to see. Can you imagine that at 51, never seeing, and then suddenly be able to see? Suddenly, everything comes to life. And I love this quote, I never thought yellow could be so yellow. That's bad. we got to put a smile on your face. He said he had a thrill. His thrill was looking at the sky and seeing the vapor trails of airplanes. I mean, we see one once in a while. Oh, that dude's way up there. And of course, I get analytical. He's at such and such altitude, and you know how cold it is, and the heat coming off the plane. He's just looking up and going, wow. <laughs> wow. Here's what I want to say with that. We've been seeing so long, none of us know how it is to be blind. Sometimes we've been a Christian so long and church so long and, and believe so long, we forget how it was to be lost. And it doesn't mean we glorify that or anything like that, but I think we need to remember we were blind, now we see. We want others to see too. We want others to come on board too. I think we forget how hopeless we were. You can have all the money in the world and be hopeless. I had a relative that was a multimillionaire, committed suicide. Never in a million years would you think it happened. Man, this person had personality, it was just wonderful, everything. Man, you don't realize how many people hurt. Apostle Paul was an avid evangelist. How in the world did he become such a dynamic, avid evangelist and our superstar missionary? Look on your outline, 1 Timothy 1. It says, How thankful I am to Christ Jesus our Lord for considering me trustworthy and appointing me to serve Him, even though I used to scoff at the name of Jesus. Now, none of us have ever done that. Oh, how kind and gracious the Lord was. He filled me completely with his faith and with love of Christ Jesus. This is a true saying and everyone should believe it. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners and I was the worst of them all. In other words, Paul needed to remember where he was. He actually held the coat while he allowed people to be stoned. He was the worst. He, he was bad. But look what God can do to him. Look, and here, if you read that, it changed his heart. It changed his heart. And only God can change a heart. You can vote laws. You can legislate. Congress, and man, I want to elect good people that have as much godly, biblical type views as possible. But they can elect every law in the world and it won't change people. How do I know that? Because we have the perfect law in the Word of God and Israel couldn't even handle that. The only thing that changes people is God changing their heart. Praise be to God, He's still working on me and my heart. Can I get somebody maybe to agree with that? 
I got a quote for you there. If we ever lose our sense of gratitude of what Christ has done for us, then we're going to lose our excitement for what He can do for others. Do you agree with that? And final thought. See yourself as an answer to the prayer of Jesus this morning. Wow, what pastor? See yourself as an answer to the prayer of Jesus. How many of you could testify by raised hand, put you on the spot, that Jesus has answered prayers you have asked before in your life at least one time? Anybody? One time? Okay. I'd have to go a thousand times. I don't know. Now, would you like to return the favor? And of course you're going to go, sure pastor. In text verse 37 of our text, the harvest is great but the workers are few. In other words, it's saying there's many lost people out there, but there's few of us who are actively trying to reach them. Now, I'm not talking about going to Africa, the mission field, or Ecuador, or, or anywhere. I'm not saying that alone. I'm talking wherever God has you planted, wherever you are, would you be willing to be an answer to this prayer that Jesus said? Would you ask the Heavenly Father, the Lord of the harvest, to send out workers? That's the prayer. And then when you realize that, you might become like the prophet and you go, Lord, here I am, send me. Now, send me in going to far land. If He calls you to go to a far land and He tells you where it is, you go. If it's somewhere you can't pronounce, we'll help you figure out how to pronounce it. We'll send you to mission school. You can go. Amen, amen. But what I'm saying is, many times, we're tempted to stay with Jesus. And we stay with Jesus. We love Jesus. We come to church. And man, I don't know about you, but I love to come to church. I can even wake up kind of not feeling good and have a headache. And I go, it's going to be fun to see everybody's face and hug their neck and, you know, be loved on and love and all that stuff. I mean, we got the best. I told somebody the other day, and I think it was after Jerry's service, I said, Supper Street's like one of the best secrets in the world. There's thousands of people that would love to be able, they just don't know, they don't understand that they could come in here, be loved, accepted, add to their family. And when things go bad, they got this church family that surrounds them. When things are good, they got a church family to come to see the son graduate or win the honor or you know what I'm talking about. We become a family. And Satan's got them blinded to say we're a bunch of judgmental weirdos. And I know we're not. Sometimes we need to come together and be with Jesus and be encouraged. But I want to tell you, when God does a work in our life, we can't keep it quiet. Notice in Mark 5:19, I don't know if I put it, yeah, I do. I have it on your outline. Okay, so Jesus heals this guy, cast out demons. And this guy wanted to become a groupie. Do you know what that is? Anybody? Okay. He wanted to run around and be with Jesus. I'll be honest with you, I would too. If I went back now, I'd be wanting to follow Jesus too. And of course, if we know what we know now, Carvin, here's what we'd probably do. Boy, it's a little different than I thought it was, you know, because we studied the stories and all to actually be there and see it. It would be awesome. Yeah, I'd want to be a groupie too. But what did Jesus say to the groupie? But Jesus said, no, 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 you can't stay with me. Go home to your friends and tell them the wonderful things the Lord's done for you and how merciful he's been. 
Well, you know what this guy did? He did, and he went to 10 towns and told them. Now, the first thing is, Jesus has got to do something for you. And you don't have to be a terrible story, you know, like, oh, I was a, this wicked, terrible person, and now look at who I am. I don't mean that. All you have to do is just say, I find joy in the Lord. I have a personal relationship with Him. I talk to Him. He's there for me. There's power in Him. There's hope in Him. There's purpose in Him. You know what I mean? Just who you are. And I'm going to get into that later. Jesus is saying, the greatest thing you can do for me is not just to hang around me all the time. Yeah, come on in. But go tell others what I've done for you. How would I be how would you be and how would the church be if we were excited about what God has done for us and is doing for our life and doing in our church? Is excitement contagious? Yes. Momentum is contagious. And all we have to do is get excited about what God's done for us. Out of the 250,000 people, I think I'm pretty comfortable. And I'm really into grace and more people going to heaven than probably I thought years ago. But I bet there's 100,000 people within 35 miles of where we are this morning that do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 100,000 people. Does Jesus love them? Absolutely. Does Jesus want to guide them? Does He want to be their Father? Does He want to fill that void that's within them? Does He want to restore them to basically the Garden of Eden, you know, where He walks with them and talks with them and, and all that? Absolutely. And one day, we're going to be at the party of parties. There's never been a party like this party. And there's going to be joy of all joy in heaven. And you know who's going to be there? Only those people we invite to the party. Because Jesus says, now I appoint you, little old Ray Owens, an ambassador. I appoint you, Brooke, an ambassador. I appoint you as an ambassador. And we now are His hands, arms, feet, and, and all. We are to share the good news, and we're to invite people. At the bottom of your outline is a quote, or something that says, Honestly, our lost friends are not an opportunity. They're a responsibility. Jesus, let me be the answer to your prayer for these. Jesus prayed, Lord, send somebody to the harvest. The har they're ready. I'm working on them. The Holy Spirit's working on them. In other words, Jesus looked out, the title of my message, God's Heart. Jesus looked out and point one, that's where I got it from, He saw the opportunity. Do you agree? He says it's, they're everywhere. The opportunity's there. So Jesus sees the opportunity and we can be a part of answering that prayer if we intentionally strive to win the lost. If we strive to, today I'm talking about having God's heart for the lost. So here's where it starts. I think it starts 
by jotting down a name or two. And by the way, I know this is very personal and you might be sitting next to the person you need to write their name down. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm not saying you write a name down now. I'm asking you to take this outline, these points, these scriptures, and you read it yourself and let God speak to you. Not this crazy preacher. Let God Himself speak to you. But I think I would feel led to challenge you to put down names that God lays on your heart strictly of people you know are lost or if you're not sure they're hurting, they could be this, it could be so clear everybody knows they're lost. They could be a notorious sinner. Or it could be somebody that's sweet as can be, they're wonderful, but they're not really professing Christ, they're not really involved in serving Him, and you're really concerned. You follow what I'm saying? It could be that. So it's not saying you're putting bad people down there. You may be putting somebody down there better than some of us as far as a person goes. Here's what I'm saying. Somebody that you really are not sure is living for the Lord or is lost. Make that list. And the first thing that I think you should do is pray for them. And then you pray for yourself. Lord, help me make the most of every opportunity that I have. Now, I think if you would just pray over that, ask God to open your heart, open your eyes, and give me opportunities, I think God would do that. I think God would do that. I think He's faithful. And you know by doing that, what are we? We then become the answer to the prayer of Jesus. Now, next week and in a few weeks, I'm going to actually go through opportunities that you have, very practical, and I'm going to go through very simple ways to lead somebody to the Lord. Very simple ways. The first, it starts with having a heart for those, listing their names, and start praying for them. Because we raised our hands, God answers prayer, right? God will answer prayer and draw them. And you don't need to be the one necessarily to lead them to the Lord. Did you know sometimes what happens, we plant a seed. Um, you know, it might be, I'll pick on Carvin. Brother Carvin knows somebody and he plants a seed. And three months later, I see him and I water it. And six months later, Zanya uh, waters it a little bit more. And then a, few, a little bit later, Car, you know, Marlon, because he grows plants, he waters it too much. And then a little bit later, you know, uh, and Charlotte sees that, so she throws a little more dirt on it, you know, and gets it just right. And then it comes along. And then just one day in a grocery store, Adam sees him and he goes, Hey, man, come on, you ought to go to church. We got this crazy preacher, you know. You know he plants a seed and then we're going along, and then Brooke runs into the mom or something and says something to them. And next thing you know, Pat says, Hey, come on. And then one day you're just walking around and Carolyn Hogue just happens to see him and says, hey, come on with me and we'll take you out to eat the Piccadilly afterwards. And they do and they, they don't die because they came in church because they're notorious sinners. And they don't die and everything's, you know what I mean? You plant, you do, you just, but it starts with a heart. Do you agree with that? It starts with the heart of God. Let me pray for you and for me. Father, we know these words are true. We know, Lord God, you have a heart for the lost. You are the great shepherd. Help us to have the heart of a shepherd. Help us to have the heart that you have for the lost. God, may we be faithful 
and putting down names, and let's put it somewhere secret, maybe in our Bible or somewhere personal, God, and, and let's pray for those family members, for those neighbors, for those co-workers, for those people we know that, that they're just struggling bad. They're sheep without a shepherd. God, I pray that we'll be faithful in answering your prayer to the Lord of the harvest. May we do our part. Lord, I rebuke, I ask that you would rebuke Satan. And any, I don't know, negativity, condemnation, or you can't do it, insecurity he tries to throw in our way. There's no one here better than anybody. And Satan is a liar. And we can all pray. We can all have a heart of God. Encourage everyone that they are worthy and they can do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, in keeping with this message, we got two that are going to go do it. Going out from our midst, and they're going to go out and do it. Somebody ask uh, Carrie and Zanya to come forward. Brother Carvin, I've asked him to maybe say a couple things and pray a prayer. Uh, and I don't know, Brother Carvin, you do it however you want as far as here. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Anybody that feels led wants to lay hands on them and pray with them. Brother Carvin has asked us to do that. Turn this off. They're they're going. You gonna say a little bit about the work? Yeah. Go ahead. Tony, let us know what. Yeah, we'll be going to Lexington Church of God. It's the church that I attended when I was there at Asbury, and they have a vision for reaching out to the children and families of their daycare. It, the church is very similar to Cypress Street, and there was a couple that retired after many years of serving there, and they said, we're moving away, and we know you're planning a party, giving us gifts and presence, but we want you instead to give to the children's ministry so that we can continue to build up the church. And so they tried to do it last year, and a whole bunch of the people that were working on the project got COVID, and they had to shut everything down. And then when they heard that um, we were available, they called and said, please come and help us. So we're very thankful. Let's just agree together in prayer for these two ladies who are going out from us to serve in another place. Loving Father, I'm still amazed that you choose us. Amen. None of us are capable of yes. doing this kingdom work without you. Amen. Thankful for Zanya and Carrie's willingness to be used to be sent out to another place. Somewhat strange to them, not just like home. I ask your Holy Spirit, open up doors, give them opportunities, equip them to take advantage of those opportunities. May your spirit protect them as they travel and do their ministry there. I also ask you, give them fruit for their labors. Amen. Encourage them when they get discouraged and thinking that everything's going wrong. So we just ask a special anointing upon their lives and we give you the glory for everything that's going to be accomplished through their ministry in Lexington. 
And we ask all these things in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, we've, uh, I'm uh, representing our church search committee, and we've got a pastor that's going to be coming, him and his wife. Uh, first, I'd like to thank uh, our search committee, Donna Ward, Mike Cootie, Nancy Elmore, uh, Tim Kite, and... Uh, Randy Odom, and also our leadership committee, Carolyn Hogue, uh, Marlon Mitchell, and Randy Odom. Uh, we're excited about this. I thank everybody for the prayers that they put in and the work that they put in for this. And so uh, I want to tell you just a little bit about it's uh, Dan and Lynn Masters. Currently, they're in Harrisburg, Illinois. Uh, Church of God. Uh, they've been there uh, 12 years. Also, they've served. He's been in. Uh, you know, yeah, another another year. Uh, he's been in the ministry for over 40 years, and he's been in uh, Indiana, Fayetteville, Tennessee, uh, Alabama, and Kansas, and so. They're down-to-earth people. I've been uh, communicating with him, and so we're going to have them to come in on the 28th, which will be on a Saturday, and on the 29th. And I'll come back to that in just a minute. Anyway, some of uh, Brother Dan's skills as a communicator, a uh, mentor, a counselor, a leader, Tim, a team builder, and also a writer. And they're coming as a team. They, they feel like uh, that uh, they serve together as a team and are open to the needs of the church. And some of their gifts is administration, communication, building relationship with others, and God. The main thing... They want God to be leading them where he wants them to go. Now, they were already going to be leaving that church before this had came up. You know, they had plans that they felt like God was moving them, but they did not know where. But they've been seeking that too. And so uh, just continue to pray for them coming in. They have five children, and they're in... Uh, Two grandchildren, one that's one year old, one that's three years old. And like I said, they're just down-to-earth people. They love God and seeking God will in their life. And that's the main thing because 
if God has them for us, then that's what we want here. Also, uh, they're very mission-minded. Brother Dan's mission-minded. Uh, Lynn is very mission-minded. She's been in several mission trips, and she's worked with uh, different mission projects. So that's sort of a real plus for us and a plus for them, too, because we're a very mission-minded church. Each of y'all know that. So, and... Uh, I hate to see the Mitchell girls living because, you know, but they will be back. But we appreciate the work that they've always done through the missions and everything. Uh, Lynn's also a, uh, she's been an elementary school teacher. Uh, she was, uh, went to school at Mid-America in Oklahoma City. And so she's got some strong points. She's a counselor, a leader, a a team builder and a teacher and also a writer. So they're excited about coming. And we're going we're excited about them coming here. The schedule for that weekend will be on Saturday at ten o'clock. They'll be here at the church. Uh, we'll have coffee and donuts, something like that meet them and greet them and sort of find out a little bit about them and they can find out a little bit about us. And then that, we will have a service at uh, 6 o'clock? 6 o'clock on that Saturday night. Then they'll be back with us on Sunday. Uh, they'll be attending the circles, starting with Miss Carolyn's. I'm, I'm planning this sort of, I hadn't, uh, got this all done yet. But to plan on having, uh, being in the circles, then having a service, and then being back in the circle groups after the service. So uh, if you have any questions, please, you can get with me. And uh, Pastor, we appreciate, you know, the work that you've done and helped us put this together. And thank everyone that's worked with the, uh, the search committee on this. But if you have any questions, please get with me on this. Are there anything else that you know of? And that's just sort of briefly. Thank each of y'all for being here. It's going to be important that you be here that weekend. If you can, we would, we would like to have you here. So that's all I have. Go ahead and pray. Thank y'all for being here with us this morning. And, uh, we just thank you for the, the love that you have for each other and, and for this church. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for the day that you've given us to come back out to worship you, Lord, to serve you. And we thank you for each one here. We just ask that you bless them as uh, as they go to their, their circles or if they go home, we ask that you bless them. Keep your hand on them, Lord. Lead us and guide each of us and just help us to, to seek your will for each of our lives and for, for this church, Lord. And we ask all this in your name. Amen.